form the group. Far as lyrical wordplay, it began for me at an early age before I was even introduced to hip hop. I used to have this book that was filled with these nursery rhymes that I, I saw I was in the Betty Bell verse, you know, on the lyrical side. So I had this book that was filled with all these nursery rhymes, and I would study them, go back and forth, change them around. So by the time hip hop, while I was introduced to hip hop, I already had a little flow. No little thing going on here. I'm actually shaking. <laughs> when I was nine, I was living in Bushwick. I had an aunt that I used to visit all the time. Her name was Aunt Mary. I used to like to go to her house because she had a piano. Not too many people had pianos back then in the living room. Um, she would show me how to play. You know, one of the first songs she showed me was a gospel song. She also thought that I should take lessons and she insisted on it and she paid for it. But I had another cousin, a female cousin, who taught me out of it and said it was a sissy thing. She <laughs> <laughs> was a teenager playing the piano, so I kind of, she convinced me. But to this day, I wish, you know, I regret not taking the lessons. Another reason I used to go to my aunt's house all the time, and um, she had this album. Last Poet album. You know the Last Poets, right? She had this Last Poet album, and they had this dude that was just flowing on there. This great poetry that just pulled me in. They had these bombos and all this stuff playing in the back. But um, one of the reasons that I used to like to listen to the album was it had so much profanity on it. <laughs> So I would go to my house and I'd go in the living room and I'd listen to these songs. And they also had the lyrics inside the sleeve, right? And I would read them along while I was listening to this music. I don't actually, I don't even think my aunt ever heard this album. <coughs> she wouldn't let me listen to it anyway. <laughs> so um, throughout my early years I'm seeing you know, I was part of several groups. You know, I started at a very young age. I was part of several groups. One was called Mission Impossible. The homeboy of mine, his name was Jackpot. He was called Scotty Watt back then. He actually told me to this day, you know, he told me how we met. He said we met in the library, reaching for the same book. <laughs> I don't remember that, though. <laughs> but, uh, the FOI, myself, Dirty Wizard. And then we formed all in together now, for Dirty used to mention that in several songs. We formed the all in together now, crew. That was around 1984. Rizza, he was a scientist. Dirty was a specialist. And they gave me the name Genius. I never wanted that title. <laughs> Respect too much, you know, being a so I didn't, I didn't want to lose it. You know, I can remember a time also where we did a show and we put on the flyer because Dirty was doing, he was a beatbox, and we had put on the flyer the specialist, but I took his his title, the professor. He didn't like that. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't want to use genius because I thought too much of his experience. 
perspective from him. Plus, it wasn't enough words that rhyme with genius. Genius <laughs> 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 genius. We would formulate routines together. We would formulate routines and come up with ideas. We would battle, run all across Brooklyn, go through Staten Island, battling dudes. I actually remember one, one time, Dirty and I, we went to Staten Island and we battled New Guard and Capadonna. Met the man also. At that time, we didn't really, you know, I had known Cap for years, but we didn't really know Meth. Dirty didn't know any of them. We went out there to battle, but we, we were in Shaolin and we were battling. And I had moved from there. I had moved been maybe about five, six years. So we were back out there and we were battling. But we had the crowd was against us because Capadonna had the whole place screaming, Kill a kill a hell! Kill a hell! So we kind of outnumbered. <laughs> Those were our early, early days of, of, of rhyming. You know, that's what it was about, battling. Um, we also used to walk around Brooklyn battling fools. We would look for whoever was the best, we would look for them. Just like a Kung Fu flick, you know. Do <laughs> have skills. You go out looking for them. You would challenge them. See what he's about, what he's worth. You know, you clash your swords. And you would be a friendly dude. Not like nowadays. You know, shootouts now. You know, rap battles. But we kept it clean back then until we met the Dismasters. I mean, it should have dawned on me. They were the Dismasters. <laughs> <laughs> and he was Dismasters, too. Almost started a fight. But, um, so we would make these ideas and routines together and practice. Somebody asked if I ever wrote rhymes for Dirty Boat. We each used each other rhymes, you know, kind of recited them because we wrote lyrics together. This is something nowadays artists don't, you know, they don't write together. Sometimes you do songs and don't even meet the artist or the person who you're getting on the song with because of Pro Tools and all this modern technology, things like that. So we don't even get to see the person who we're getting on the track with. But, Hip-hop was so much part of our lives back then that we incorporated in just about every, everything we did was involved around hip-hop. That's how much we loved it. You know, we would sit up all night, we would write <coughs> lyrics, we would talk about rhyme flow, and we had pretty good lyrics at the time, you know, an abundance of good lyrics. We would always strive to be clever, be witty, be intelligent at the same time and not dumb down, you know. One of the things about ODB, well, one of the things about him's poetry, or, you know, <coughs> is that, you know, poetry ends with the composition, whereas rhyming, you know, continues with the record and also being live. ODB, like I said, he was a human beatbox, you know, he, he was a, multi-talented dude. Rizzo was also, they were DJs, MCs, and beatbox. I was just an MC. I tried to do what it was being. And, um, I was kind of good with feet a little, but I used to use rollers, cups, and 
records of get everything straight. But Dirty was a human beatbox, and he was really good. He was one of the best that I've ever heard. And um, when we were bowing, we would make these routines, and he would play these beats, and it would be so good. And the irony about it is that I used to write some of his beats. <laughs> yeah. Stand in front of him, waving my hands like I was a conductor. <laughs> and tell him to add a symbol. And I would actually write on paper, write down music, beats. I thought, you can't read music, but you know, if you looked at what I was writing, it wouldn't make sense to you. Just like a whole bunch of crazy stuff. But I used to write these beats for him. He was a specialist, and um, he was really good at it. You know, Time went on, we progressed, we became better, I became better, we crafted our skills and we started trying to shop out demos and, and get a deal, which is a whole nother story. You know, the first time we went to the studio was in 1985, we did a song called True Fresh and Sea. Dirty was doing beatbox, but I did the track playing, you know, it was a small studio. We were just happy being there. This is a small eight-track studio. Really small and hot and funky. <laughs> you know, this thing that was called the Papa Stopper. You know, I know what the Papa Stopper is. It's that net. You know, that, that net filters thing so that's cool. in front of the microphone. I was in the lab today, you know, talking about viruses and germs. <laughs> there was so much of that in there. But we were happy to be in there, you know, we, we, we did the song. I mean, we were rhyming before rap was on wax. So it wasn't like we, our goal or we were trying to be an MC when we got older. We just did it for the love. It was in our heart from day one. You know, nowadays a lot of kids want to be rappers because they think they can make a lot of money. They think it's a thing to do. You get girls. You know, it's cool, you have all this status and you get all this money and they don't really have respect for the art, you know, which is not a good thing. Do it. It's a hit, they want to follow it. That's, that's how it is. 
that they were looking for something like that. And we clashed and it didn't work. And it was kind of disappointing and discouraging because we had spent so many years making demos and trying to shop out them, calling labels and sending tapes. And you know, I'm sure the label had a trash room that went from the mail room to the trash room. Because that's what they do with a lot of artists. Um, on top of that, I made a foolish move by quitting a city job that I had to take a test for and wait four years for them to hire me. <laughs> yeah, I used to work for the transit authority. I was still on probation <laughs> because I had a record deal. So my head was like, you know, kind of souped up about it. And, um, so this first experience in music industry, several months later, we tanked this fall. When we recorded into the Wu-Tang, it was in a place called Firehouse Studios in Manhattan. I mean, the place was on fire, the bees were buzzing all over the place. It was all this energy, it was positive, the atmosphere was peaceful, and it was sound or music that was the force that grouped us together. But too much fun and excitement in a working environment distraction for me. I get distracted easily. I like to write alone, which probably explains why on Wu-Tang Forever, one CD out of two, because I spent a lot of time playing chess and ping pong. <laughs> I did. I remember one time Raekwon saying that brothers would write rhymes like they shoot pool and play ping pong, you got 30 albums done. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a clan, we might collectively come up with ideas, but then I'll need to get away and formulate my approach and actually put pen to paper. Once I get inspiration, I start writing. You know, inspiration doesn't always come to me in words, but it always comes to me in Living, from living beings or objects. This is where I draw my inspiration from. I can get inspiration from a baby learning how to walk because the key to walking is balance. And so much of what we do in life requires balance. So just from looking at that, I can draw inspiration. I can also get inspiration because it comes as an idea. I can get it from the unique complex design of the spider web, just from looking at it. And also to know that spider web is 10, 20, 30 times stronger than steel, which some of y'all probably don't know, it makes it more inspiring to know that. So in reality, it is the spider that has inspired me, you know, because I think every being and object within the universe is connected somehow, whether visibly or invisibly. You know? Seeing that in Latin, you know? From micro to macro. <laughs> also, I think the deeper one sees into life, the wider life opens itself to one. You see that from you know, the more you study something, the more you understand it, it opens up.
can tell too. I think to write a story is to create a world of your own. And it is said that a world in the making can be likened to a great jigsaw puzzle whose separate parts have life and are capable of independent movement. I think these separate parts are living things. When I write a song, it's a lot like building a puzzle. Sometimes you start with a certain part or an image. Sometimes with the frame, sometimes a certain color. And just like when you're rhyming, you know, because rhyming for me is a visual language. You know, it's visual. And when I write, not only do I create an atmosphere, but the atmosphere is also created within me. When I write lyrics, I only write from an author's or a writer's point of view. I write as a director. I write as a cameraman. Because to me, what's audible is visible, and what's visible is audible. What I mean by that, if I say the word television, you automatically probably think plasma, flat screen. You may think of the remote control. You may also think of a program you want to see later when you get back home. If I mention the word ashtray, you automatically think of a cigarette. So that which was audible, which came out of my mouth as it became visible in your head. You know, that's something you really have no control over. That's how things, things work. But um, that's how it is to me with writing because these things, we have an influence on each other, our thoughts and ideas. And ideas can come to you as light or it can come as sound. You can see it or you can hear it. Then you get the visuals. Some composers, they score movies from reading the script, and then some score movies from watching the film. You know, you can do it either way, but they still get to the same destination. Sometimes I can just write straight through once I have a concept. Other times I get ideas in the middle of nowhere and I write down on the nearest piece of paper. Sometimes in the midst of writing, I'll come up with a line that may be the sixth line and not the first. Because this, this is how it feels to me. This is how it's coming to me. A lot of times artists write usually whatever they put down on paper is the first line. Sometimes I switch it around you know, it's in a certain way to do it. I mean, I just you know, gather information and put it out there. Um, one thing I want to speak about martial arts also, you know, never teach the Wu-Tang secret. Come forward. Wu-Tang is a, a sword style. Come forward. And as far as hip-hop, Wu-Tang is a sword style of rhyming. You see, the tongue, which we say is a sword, or symbolic to the sword, when emotion produces wind, when you're speaking, so, like we say, when you hear whoa, 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 that's the sword swing. And when you hear tang, that's it, hitting your neck. Always so <laughs> <laughs> protect that neck. <laughs> but, you know, Kung Fu has played a major role in the throughout the years, or karate or whatever, back in the days of Bruce Lee. It started with Bruce Lee. Into the dragon, we would 
to go watch these movies when we were young. And then we would leave the movie theater doing kicks, hitting each other, you know, flipping, you know. I mean, that was our superhero. And not only was he good on set, he was good off set. I mean, dude was always challenging. It's like hip hop. You can see similarities in it. Guys was always challenging him off and on the set, just like MCs would challenge Wu Tang off and on stage. You know, we run into guys and they'll be trying to challenge us. Most of the time we were battling, because that's what it was about. But we learned how, before we even understood, understood these stories we were watching, and with the stories actually men, it was all about the action. And then years later, we applied what we were watching to our music, you know, as far as being disciplined, having love for your brother, practicing, working, writing, constantly studying. You know, um, a writer once said, told me, I don't really write a lot. Well, you should write every day. Grand Master said, you should study every day. Every day So this thing with martial arts became a big part of our lives from childhood up until when we would go to 42nd Street, which is Times Square, and we would spend probably two fifty or three hours to watch three movies. We'd be in there for six hours. <laughs> probably twice a week. Cutting school. <laughs> also, I, I remember this song was called Kung Fu Fight. From the old school. So it was a way of even incorporating karate and or kung fu into pop culture. So that was something that just gave us an extra boost. You know, going to the flicks and then having this song. And it's like, it's incredible to have that. You know? it's little boys, they love action heroes. So I was pretty sure we all could love action Kelly, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, you know, so on and so on. But it, it, it kind of reminds us of when we used to battle, walking from borough to borough. I remember being in Brooklyn, and I was asking around who was the best, and I would go look for him. I was battling this guy one day, I had to kill the police with him. So the police was a little younger, we were now 13. And we went and I battled Strong voice, you know. Obviously, I'm mature, not as fast as a lot of kids. So I didn't have you know, that strong voice and all that, but I always had the lyrics. And he had this deep voice, strong voice, and he thought that would intimidate me. And we were in front of his building. It's like the flicks. One dude roll up, this dude roll up. There's 40 people outside the school. <laughs> and he had like 40 dudes with him. The priest was like, Right. 
soon as it must stop. You know? And those were fun days. We, so we, walk, we would walk all over from Manhattan to Brooklyn. And I even have a line on a song I got called Autobio where I say, um, I wore my boots out from constant walks across the borough. We tore the troops out the frame when they challenged the most thorough. So that's what we used to do. We, we loved it. It was in us. You know, that, you know, music is a divine art. So like the musician, I compose into the instrument becomes my heart. And, you know, when you love what you do, like when I went to the lab today, that's when I explained certain things to me. They love their job. And that's how it was with us with battle and hip hop. That's why I can identify Bruce Lee because he, he didn't care to challenge anyone. He battled at any given time, often on the set. You know, he would beat up eight dudes and sit back down and eat his food. <laughs> you know, and he, and he would say often that every day one must sharpen his sword. His sword must stay sharp all the time. I mean, he must constantly study, constantly learn, and always strive. Be greater and better at what you do, whatever it is. You know, I definitely feel that way about being an MC. I write all the time, and I strive to excel when I'm writing, when I'm doing. I, 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 I strive to write the lyrics that all people can understand. And not just have a certain tone or a certain, or being a slave to, to form. Because we have this thing where everything is formatted. Oh, you need 16 bars first, hook first. You know, sometimes I do songs that have no hooks. Sometimes I do songs that have one verse. Depends on what it is. Sometimes I like to play around with words. Sometimes I like to tell stories. Sometimes I like to take names, such as this song Fame. Where I say they were told not to ride in Patty's hearse and stay out of Charles Mansion. They drove Abraham's Lincoln across the Todd Bridge expansion. Willis reads a map that marks the spot showing on his left George Burns the Blunt that Williams holding. Tyler banks the money that Shaka Khan for. Alicia Keys is called for giving Melbourne. You know, this is how it works for me. Because this is how inspiration comes to me. I can be watching something about planets. Because the thing for me is that being an artist, you should be able to incorporate everything you do. Everything shouldn't just be about clubs and cars. You should be able to incorporate everything where it doesn't. You can teach it about learning, but it doesn't have to be go to school, get an education. But it's a way. You deliver it. So I can be, look at the planets and then I can get an idea and incorporate it with rhyming. Where I may say, my universe runs like clockworks forever. My words are pulled together, sudden change in the weather. The nature and the scale of events don't make sense. A storm with no warning, you're drawn in by immense gravity that's going mad. Clouds of dust and debris. Moving at colossal speeds, they crushing them, see. Since this rap region is heavily packed with stars, 
and turn the mirror and the telescope notice the dots. From far away, we blink as a light to stroll. From great distance, the space between precise globes that travel in a circular order, like the tape in your cassette recorder, filled with corporate slaughter. So. <laughs> Just like when you were in the lab today, you know, it's amazing to know that from one 